Hey there, it's Elliot. Before we get to the episode, I want to encourage you to subscribe to this podcast so that you get alerts every time we post a new episode. And if you're enjoying the podcast, tell other people about it. We're really looking to help people understand how the role of the CCO is evolving. And if you can help us reach more people with that message, it would be greatly appreciated. Thanks so much. As companies grapple with disruption and transformation, CEOs are looking for new kinds of leadership, especially around culture change and technology. When they don't find it on their team, they call up executive recruiters. For this simple reason, recruiters have a better pulse than anyone on what today's CEOs are looking for in a CCO. On this episode, we're speaking with leaders at two premier executive search firms, Bill Heyman, the CEO and founder of Heyman Associates, and Jennifer Deutsch, an executive search and assessment consultant at Russell Reynolds. Bill and Jennifer will take us inside the hiring process for the CCO, giving us some of the key traits that define their best hires. I'm Elliot Mizrahi, and this is The New CCO. If you could, Bill, let's start with you. Uh, Tell me a little bit about the work that you do and why you think this might be a particularly interesting time in that space. Well, first, I should say that when we started our firm over 30 years ago, we had only really one of the major search firms that we competed with. Today, every of the major search firms, Jennifer's included, have really competent people in the corporate affairs and uh, public relations area. That is to say that the function has been elevated. That is to say it's a C-suite level function. That is to say that it is probably gained in uh, gravitas within the organization. So this is a great time to be in the communications business and a great time to be a recruiter in the communications business. Jennifer? I would just add to that. I think those are great points. I would add to that, too, and say the the focus on reputation and reputation management at all levels within an organization from the board on down make this an incredibly critical role. And so to Bill's point, I think it has risen in importance in organizations and for exactly that reason. For those that don't know, what are sort of the mechanics of how a search begins and how you go through that process? I think the first thing, the most important thing that we do is we listen. We go in and find out what the company is looking for, what the pain points have been either around communications issues or specifically within the function, and really talk to the various people in the organization who are going to be working most closely with communications. And it's really important that we force the clients to spend the time to really kind of articulate what it is that they feel is going to make this person successful. Because one of the things I always say to to our clients is that you need to really invest the time in building this relationship, especially if you're going to if this person's going to get there and you're not going to be able to spend a lot of time with them, you're going to there's a certain amount of expectations you have. You have to make sure the chemistry and the culture fit is right. So, and the fact that we've been doing this for as long as we've been doing it, it so I look at the tactics of communications as being a given. It's really more the, the fit that's the important thing we have to focus on. Yeah, and I think that's probably true of any job. What gives you a sense about that fit? Is it people going through the process and you getting feedback from the client or a sense that you get about the nature of the organization and the person and whether they belong? Yeah, you have to spend a lot of time with the hiring manager, the CEO, really asking what is it, 
what are the what, not only what are they looking for, but what kind of people work well with them? What kinds of organizations do they see that they that do communications well that they respect? What are the things that they're anticipating that are going to be communications issues that they really, and then really focus on making sure that they're committed to embracing this person when they start with the company and really going to give them a big corporate hug to make sure that it works out. I think that I think the listening point is really important. I think that alignment up front on what a role should be should include how people think about the role. I think the conversations up front at the beginning of that search dictate how the search will go and ultimately what that role looks like. And so if there's misalignment at the executive level and you hear or we hear as search professionals different things in those conversations, important to flag, right? The candidate's going to want to know that and understand what the role is like from the beginning. And so that alignment is critically important. So Bill's firm, I know, specializes in the communication space. Russell Reynolds does more broad-based searches for other types of roles. Uh, What's different about a search for a CCO than might be for a CFO or another role like that? Um, It's a good question. I think that um, some of those roles can be very prescriptive, right? Um, I think a a CCO search in particular is, uh, you know, more than anything, this role can be, it runs the gamut. And I think in the time that Bill's been doing this too, I think you've seen this role evolve from a head of media relations and PR, which was a really simple way to think about the function and the role, to everything that includes customer experience on down the path. And so it can be a very, very robust function within the organization. So I think requires some special skills and thinking. So how do you see the role evolving? What's different about what organizations are looking for? Well, I think organizations, I think first and foremost, are looking for people who can obviously think strategically and be connected to the business. That's what makes makes the function relevant. It's what makes it important. It's what makes it um, produce value, right? I think that um, in particular, a commercial orientation is really important. So an organization that's thinking about growth and thinking about how what they're doing contributes to the growth of the organization. Um, I think a function that is thinking from a customer-centric point of view as organizations are changing and again, the customer more at the center of what they do um, and I think a function that has a point of view uh, I think so so often um, so in particular I guess over time I think this role has evolved very much from being broadly perceived as, as maybe a PR function that maybe isn't as strategic or plugged into the business and instead uh, it may be very reactive and instead moving to be very very proactive very forward thinking having a point of view on not just what they're doing as a function but on what the business might be doing and how communications can support that what Jen just said about the um, uh, about the, the understanding business—that's paramount. That's sort of the first. That's table stakes. You really have to understand the business. And one of the things I'll, I'll say is, <clears throat> if you think of a classic search where you might wind up with two final candidates, a candidate that has experience in the industry that they're looking for. Let's, for the argument's sake, say pharmaceutical. So I have a candidate that has experience in the pharmaceutical industry and then a candidate that has experience, let's say, in consumer electronics. If the CEO of that healthcare company or pharmaceutical company finds that their ability to talk to this person in the same language that they have, they understand the business, that will give that person a bit of a tipping point as to getting the job versus the consumer electronics, it it takes a kind of a courageous client sometimes to really go and find the kind of person that's going to do something a little bit different and push. And I think that's what what Jennifer just said about the notion of, you know, it being a much more strategic function. That's absolutely the case, but it still takes a lot of courage on the part of the hiring manager to feel like that, hey, I'm going to think a little bit outside the box here. You know, we're here together at the Page Spring Seminar 
This morning, we opened up with a question to the room. Uh, raise your hand if your business is facing some sort of disruption. And while I didn't take count, I'm pretty sure every single hand went up. Is that something that you're hearing from clients looking for CCOs, that they need a partner to help steer through sort of a radical transformation in response to disruption? Yeah, I think I think very much. I mean, it's the crux of what this role is about. I think it's helping organizations think that through. I don't think we have a client today that isn't using that word in some way, shape, or form, and this role is sitting really at the forefront of that, I think, and right in the middle, to be honest. I would argue that this person is one of our clients once said this, and I think it was a really great point. This person is, along with the CEO, the chief generalist for the organization. So their job is to really look at it, the business as broadly as they can and figure out how to solve business problems with communications mm-hmm. tools. So I, I think that, um, <clears throat> that well, by the way, and that's one of the reasons why if you have things like trust and likability and whatnot, there, there's, there could be a shorthand between the leadership team and this new CCO based on them really understanding the changes they're going through and feeling confident that this person can, can shepherd them through that. And by the way, I would tell you that if the, the There are several areas, but two areas that are are really significant in our practice right now are legacy brands that are trying to hit the refresh button. So they want to talk about how they can be more contemporary organizations. And then there's also the first time CEO, many times they're also already, they're working for legacy brands, but the first time CEO that's looking for their voice. So in that trust piece, that piece where they can really understand there, there, a way to work together, understand the business, to talk about the transition is is critical. I think it's a journey, right? And so I think at uh, Tibble's point, I think you know the client may be very prescriptive about what they're looking for, but they're also hopefully open to seeing different points of view and different ideas through the course of a search. And so, um, depending on the client, you can sometimes get really creative. And you have a client who says, "I want, I think I want this," and you can bring them five different ideas from people maybe really outside of the box and get them. It also just helps them shape the way they think about the organization. Um, and at the end of the day, again, it's a journey for the client, and our job is to bring them ideas that are maybe not exactly what they're asking yeah. for or looking for, but can can help them build on that. Yeah, I think what Jen just said, Ellie, is, is particularly important. I think that that what you what you try to do is we try to do is over service them so they calm down, <laughs> over service them so right. they they realize that this is going to take some time. It's to get it right, and therefore, to Jen's point, if you can bring them a broader palette of of candidates. Because you're on top of it and you're communicating with them a lot and you're talking to them every week and you're really giving and you're letting them see people, that's way better than so the old fashioned way search was done was you kind of go and disappear and come up with a slate of candidates two months later and then they're they're in a panic because things have happened over that period of time. You need to sort of feel their sense of urgency when you're when you're Mm -hmm. doing this kind of work. So it's a process. It takes a while. Hundred percent. Can you talk a little bit about what that process is like. I mean, I've interviewed for jobs. You meet a few times with the key people. Maybe you have some assignments that they want to get a sense for your work. How does it differ at the senior most level for a function? We need to act expeditiously to find the right people. But then when the process gets going, we need to be able to convince the client that all the key constituents need to be a part of it. So when they say, well, you know, so-and-so is not going to be available for three weeks because they're tied up in meetings, you got to kind of convince the client, look, 
number one, make sure that so-and-so can kind of rearrange their schedule a little bit so they can see this person. And then also become invested in the process. Oftentimes, I will tell clients, I said, that after you've spent some time with this person, especially those clients that say, I'll know it right away. I'll really, I'm going to get it. I'm going to know. Great. If you feel that way, that's terrific. I want you to spend more time with the person. Because once they get here, you want them, you want them that likability because you want them to be able to work well together. And oftentimes there's this thing that happens in life, which is they hire somebody, they think they're really good. And then the first couple of days, they're just not quite doing that well. And instead of giving them a big bear hug, they start to treat them with this great passive aggressiveness and the person doesn't feel like they're really belong. You got to make sure there's a commitment to on both ends of it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a few years ago at this conference, uh, Jack Welch uh, was talking about his time at GE and he said that the relationship between the CCO and the CEO is unique because it's built on truth and trust. The ability for somebody to tell it like it is, even if it's bad news and the trust factor being the CEO will not throw you under the bus or turn his back on you or her back on you. Um, so the partnership between CCO and CCO, is that unique, do you think? I, I think it shouldn't be. And maybe it is, but it shouldn't be. And by the way, it's just like any other relationship in life. If you're really a smart CCO and you have the right sort of intangibles and the emotional intelligence, you'll know when it's time to go in and say to the CEO, this is not a good idea. And if the this is not a good idea conversation can wait until they're in a better mood, fine. If it can't, then there's got to be a strong enough relationship that you say it and the person says the reason I've hired you is because I respect you and that in that regard. Yeah, I think that CCO relationship, when it works well, that person's tapped for a point of view, right? They've got the flexibility and the open door to go in and say, this is something that's going to break bad. This is, you know, a view on maybe something you're not thinking about, but they've got to be able to have that dialogue. That trust and transparency is really, really key. Um, they've also got to be strategic and collaborative. And I think, again, if the, CC, the CEO is viewing the CCO as a real thought partner, it's not just a thought partner in communications, but it's a thought partner in my business. You're thinking about what's making me grow. You're thinking about the problems or challenges that we're having, whatever it might be. But that person has a point of view on lots of things that are relevant and important to that executive. That's really well said. I, I, the, the, the CEO should want the CCO to give them the unvarnished truth. That's right. You actually led into my next question. So you hear from a lot of CEOs telling you what they want in a CCO. What do you think they should want in the role, given what you know about how it's evolving? Someone who says that they want your point of view, who really means it when they say that. that you, because that's a way you get to be part of the growth of an organization and you get to really help to solve problems inside an organization by them being receptive to that. And also, by the way, you can render your opinion. And then they cannot take it. And that's fine, too. But as long as you're allowed to render their opinion. And the other thing, too, is I suppose that, you know, the, you know, the notion that you're not going to be perfect. You're not going to, you know, you're, you may not have all the information because you may just not have gotten it. Not because they're keeping it from you, because just you don't have it. So. so I've got plenty of friends that are imperfect 
and have no problem telling me exactly what they think. <laughs> but there's more to it. And, you know, where I'm going is, and we've been talking about this at the conference, CCO is playing more of a role in culture, in building digital engagement systems, in creating social value. These are opportunities for the CCO, and they may not require new hard skills, but certainly new forms of leadership. Hmm. Are those things that you're hearing in the search process that CEOs are interested in pursuing and that they're looking for partners in those sorts of things? Yeah, I, th I think very much. I think that um, as, and sometimes that doesn't all fall to the CCO, right? The thinking is that this is a leader who can come in and help to drive, but they're also doing that in a, in a very partnership-oriented way with a head of HR or maybe there's a head of culture. Um, and, and this is a role that's playing a very, very key part of that evolution, right? Um, but I think I would tell you most organizations that we're talking to today, most clients we have today are saying that culture is, it's it's right up there um, and, and, and incredibly important that the CCO is playing a part in those conversations. Can I ask you to share each of you a story about a search that you did where maybe you had a certain perception or the company had a certain perception about what they wanted at the beginning of it? but the journey sort of changed that and they ended up with a better result than maybe they expected. I'll give you, I'll <laughs> give you one. So this is a Fortune 20 company that uh, wanted an existing CCO and then felt that they deserved it because they were a Fortune 20 company. Uh, and um, we had a, and the, and the job did not report into the CEO, reported into the head of marketing. In the end, the candidates that were existing CCOs were a little queasy about the notion of reporting into the CMO, and the person that got the job, who was not an existing CCO, who was not the person that the client thought they would want to get, ultimately said, I realize that part of the reason that I will be attracted to this company is because I'm willing to, to, to deal with a reporting relationship that many of the people already in my role wouldn't, and it's... P.S. It's worked out marvelously. This person has been promoted several times and reports to the CEO now. But it was it was the courage on part of courage and confidence on the part of the candidate, and a little bit of courage on our part to say, listen, I know that you feel really good about these three candidates that have already been CCOs, but take a look at this person and really give it a lot of thought and see how they could fit and grow into the role. So over the course of your career, I'm sure you've seen the function evolve as well. How's that been changing? Well, first and foremost, as we said right in the beginning, it is a much more strategic function. But it's also, <clears throat> people often ask, are there things that people don't have responsibility for today that they used to? And it's not that. It's, it's definitely, over the course of time, been an additive function. I mean, I kid all the time, the only thing that people don't have to worry about anymore are the faxes. So I think it's a much more additive function, and that's one of the reasons why it's grown in scope. And look, I, I'm prejudiced, because I've been doing this a long time, I'm prejudiced that I think the more levers that the head of communications is responsible for, the better off. And that's not an ego thing. That's just a matter if you can centralize where the messaging is on all levels, whether it be government relations, public policy, you know, media, employee engagement, it, it just helps that they, so I would say, you know, the critical thing, it's, it's an additive function, which is why it's become such an important C-suite function. Um, I think that the, uh, I think these are all great points and, and Bill is spot on. I think the 
the evolution from being maybe perceived again in the past, and we talked about this before, but being perceived in the past as maybe more of a reactive function um, to a function now that is so embedded in an organization in so many different ways. And it's not always having all of those things report to that person or into the communications function, but they are influential across the organization. They're able to connect dots. Uh, they're able to you know, point out to an executive that, hey, there's a conversation going on over here. We haven't thought about it this way, or I was in this meeting the other day that had nothing to do with that person's specific mandate, but they're able, again, to connect dots and influence to drive an agenda across the organization, which is really, really important. If you enjoyed today's episode of The New CCO, be sure to check out our latest episodes and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, leave us a rating and a review. We want to hear what you think so that we can keep making this podcast more interesting and valuable to you. To find out more about what's happening at PAGE, please visit us at page.org. Special thanks go to Morning Consult and to Rivet Smart Audio, our podcast sponsors. Without their support, we wouldn't be able to bring this podcast to you. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time on the new CCO. Hey there, just a quick word for page members before we go. If you haven't already registered for our annual conference, I really hope that you do. We'll be getting together in Boston September 15th to 17th. In addition to it being just an opportunity to hear from really amazing speakers and engage with one another as members, we're also going to be introducing some brand new thought leadership work that we've spent the last two years developing. We really hope you can join us please register at page.org.